Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our worship service at the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village. I'm being pointed at like I don't have my power on, but I do. Am I good? Are you hearing me now? What did I say? All right. Very good. Very good. This is the day that the Lord has made. Even some of you that are not saying it, I know in your heart you're saying, let us rejoice and be glad in it. You just can't get those lips to move. But uh, I understand your heart is still joyful. I'm joyful to be here with you today, although I'm a little bit confused. Are we in a pandemic or are we not? Um, careful, careful, careful. My crack medical team tells me that we are now in an endemic actually, is that that might be the way to medically term what we're living through. Um, it's a term, isn't it? It's a word. It's supposed to give us a little advice that this thing is staying with us. It will still be affecting us. We need to be careful about it, but it's not as, because of precautions that we all have taken, it's not as crazy in killing as many of us as it was two years ago. But there still are many of us dying. And if that happens to be your loved one, this is still serious stuff. So I, I want to not be flippant about this, and I want to say that at this church, we are welcoming you, and we want you to come and be with us physically present, but we want you to come and come in a way that makes you feel comfortable. And for some of us, that's not wearing masks. We think it's time that we can let that go and we want to be exposed to whatever is out there and we can manage it with our boosters and it's all all right. And for some of the rest of us, even if we don't want to say we have comorbidities, we feel that we are uh, susceptible and our health is worrisome. And so we would like the freedom to wear a mask and we'll continue to do so for a while. And you are welcomed here too, if that's how you are, that you wanna wear a mask. Um, I myself have my, uh, uh, my advisors getting me going in two different directions, and so I'm, I'm wearing a mask most of the time when I'm around people that I'm not around all of the time. Is that a good rule? Um, so, Figure out what feels good for you and know that we here at this place are trying to help you to be healthy and to help you be in community with other folk and to help you thrive. So, the flowers today, we have two flowers. They're in memory of Dick Thomas. Um, there's stuff going on with missions this afternoon because there's some stuff in the narthex that doesn't usually belong there like Fritos and oatmeal. Uh, we're, so I think we're picking up some foodstuffs this afternoon for manna. And so please uh, be a part of that and, and bring it back around 3, 3.30 and 3 o'clock in the, uh, in the uh, parking lot. We're having our blood drive a little later this month. You'll hear more about that because it's our mission moment today. And you know, we're having our all-church planning retreat coming up at the end of the month. It's on, on Sunday the 30th. Right after worship, uh, lunch will be provided and then we'll be in planning. We're at the second stage of our uh, retreat planning process for the church and this is moving visions into goals and objectives. The more of us who are able to participate, the better this process will be. 
So if you are looking to have your church be resilient, have it step forward into its future, figure out how that future really does look with the way we are now, this is the thing that we want you to participate in and help us find our way forward. So try to set that aside as a date that you can calendar and be present to help your church family move forward. October 30th, uh, right after worship, uh, to about 2.30 or so in the afternoon. Today in worship, we continue with our stewardship sermon series, Celebrating Church, highlighting how church is good for you and good for others. And when we build the body of the church, we are growing towards health and wholeness for all of us. As we strive to be individually resilient and resilient as families, let us also seek resiliency for our congregation, reestablishing and strengthening our gifts, our service, our presence, our prayers, and our witness so the church can be all that it can be with all of us together. We hope that you have received the stewardship package in the mail that went out this week. If you have not received it, and uh, that's not typical for how mail service is in your area, call the church office and we'll make sure that you get one. All right then, let us center ourselves and be in preparation for worship. Sisters, welcome to God's house and your spiritual home. We gather in God's presence and with one another to worship, nurture our souls, and empower our lives of discipleship. Serve the Lord with gladness, extending God's love and care to all in need. We are God's hands and hearts. May we live out God's mission effectively with grace.
up your hearts. Let us pray. Holy God, we pray your Holy Spirit would be upon us in this time of worship, nurturing and edifying, leading and equipping. Help us to be the people you would have us to be, stepping forward in your spirit to serve both you and our neighbors. Amen. For those of you who haven't met me yet, because I see new faces, my name is Pastor Christy, and I am the pastor of Conejo Connect. And if you don't know what that is, come talk to me after church. Let's learn more about it. But today, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about October and November and things that might be happening during these months. What did I hear? Halloween. Halloween. We got the mic there. Wasn't that great? So some people think that Halloween is probably not very Christian and we shouldn't be celebrating it, so we do fall festivals. And some people are trying to reclaim it to be a Christian holiday. But you know the really exciting thing about it is when we get to October 30th, that is All Hallows Eve. And that was and is a church, and my brain just lost it right then, you guys. Um, What's the word? <laughs> a sacred holiday. Thank you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have just lost my whole brain. So today I wanted to talk to you about something a little different as we look at Halloween, and we're going to see if this all works together. You guys ready? The Trinity. We hear it sang all the time. We hear it said all the time that it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so God the Father created us, created the earth, created all that is around us. So this is going to represent God. What do you think? God created pumpkin. this pumpkin. That's right. So I'm going to have you hold the pumpkin for a minute. And then I'm going to come over here. And I'm going to say, when we carve our pumpkins, which would be really messy in here, so I have this paper plate here. What does this mean? Let's turn it around for everybody to see. A what it is a pumpkin, but what's what? It has a face. What does that mean? It's a. I heard somebody say jack o' lantern. That's right. So this jack o' lantern is going to celebrate Jesus and the light that shines out to the world and shines to each of us. So we have. See how it's got light in there. So I'm not saying Jesus is the jack o' lantern, guys. I'm just saying the light that shines out of. The jack-o'-lantern is just like the light that's in us. That's Jesus for the world to see, to touch each and every one. But there's one more part of the Trinity I want to talk about with you guys. Are you ready? Can you blow on that? Wait, do it again. Yeah, you want to blow? You want to blow? You want to blow? You want to blow? Okay, let's see. I've got one. Do you want 
James, you want to blow? No. Okay. Did you get to blow? There we go. What does that look like? Wind. So the Holy Spirit is represented in that wind. And I know you guys are still a little young, but my favorite word for the Holy Spirit is Sophia, the breath. And that is what is confirmed upon us and helps us know what God is doing in our lives. That warm feeling that you get sometimes when you're in church or you hear a song, that is the Holy Spirit talking to you. So today, after church, we are going to gather outside and we each are going to make our pumpkin windsock. What do you guys think? Doesn't that look like fun? Yes. Yes, I'm so excited. So I have all the supplies outside for you and we're gonna do that today so that we can always remember that God created the pumpkin, Jesus is the light of the world, and the Holy Spirit, the breath, moves within us. So let us pray. And our prayer today is actually going to talk about serve with the light of Am I on? Okay. Let me shine with the light of Jesus. Let my eyes see beauty all around. Never let me turn up my nose to others and let my mouth share the good news I have found. And we ask this today in Jesus' name and all God's children say, amen. All right, guys, I'll see you in class in just a minute. You can go. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Christy. God as Pumpkinhead. I like that, though, because the face of God is Jesus, is it not? And Jesus radiates the light of the word. Thank you, Pastor Christy. Thank you. Go ahead, Claire. with this pastoral prayer and you join me in spirit with these words that I say. Let us humble our spirit and open ourselves to the presence of God that God may indeed nurture, heal, and uplift us. Send us out in God's spirit, renewed, empowered. Let us pray. Holy God, in this worship experience, we seek your presence in a new and a powerful way. We, we ask that in some fashion, right now, we would know with greater assurance that you are within us and among us. that it is your good pleasure to connect with us, and indeed it is our good fortune to be cognizant of connecting with you. We take a moment to offer 
our private thoughts in time of prayer. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of those folks who are dear to us who are suffering the effects of cancer in themselves or in their family, and we know that they have had moments of triumph and of joy and moments of great anxiety and feelings of uncertainty. We pray that you continue to walk with the Drakes and the Nodoffs, the Jeters and the DeLongs, and that you support all of those who are facing this incredible challenge in their lives. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think of Margaret Wood, who is Ra's Tebow's mother, who has been moved onto hospice and joins others as they face this final stage of their life. Be with them. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for the family of Kim Flintoff, who passed away this week, and for Maria Prescott on the passing of her daughter, Christina, last weekend. O oh Lord, Hear our prayers. We pray for Sandy Nodoff as she continues to heal from her surgery on her fractured ankle and for Janet Todd's daughter, Tracy, who is healing from a bad fall as she tries to recuperate for better walking, this making it all the harder. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Peggy Donovan as she suffers vertigo, for Dee Crawford's granddaughter Haley with a high-risk pregnancy, for my niece, Sarah Pierce, who is seeking diagnosis and healing treatment for an oral tumor. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Cindy Lampe's nephew-in-law, Chad, in ICU after emergency heart surgery. We pray for my sister, Jeannie, who had knee replacement surgery Thursday and is recuperating. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. For all those suffering COVID and their caregivers, our medical professionals who provide our society with uh, the best support possible. We thank you, Lord God, and we pray that you would be in those lives. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And for our brothers and sisters around this globe we call our home who are suffering from drought and famines, hurricanes and floods, violence of war, 
and mass killings. We pray that we would find our way with you to stop the madness, to build an environment. Help us, Lord, to be good caretakers of one another's lives and of this planet. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And we think this morning and we want to offer in our community prayer here this morning our experiences of joy. We are thankful for Terry Owen's successful hip replacement surgery, for the new babies that have been born into our extended family in the Hendry family and in the Newkirk family, for Winter, for Landon, for Jackson, for the success of the Caneo Connect Women's Retreat, the generosity our members have shown in the apportionment and benevolence appeal, the good fellowship and fun that we have had at the fashion show and the Saturday night suppers, for the value that we have experienced through our homelessness study and the League of Women Voters webinars, for all the ways in which our church has been binding our spirit and building our community and encouraging us to be servants in your name. We give you thanks, we give you praise. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray this in your son's holy name, joining in together in the prayer that he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Oh, mm-hmm.
Today's scripture is from Amos 5:22 through 24, and then James 1:27 and 2:2:14 through 17. Amos 5:22. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And of the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. James 127. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. 214 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs. What is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. Heidi, thank you so much for being our liturgist this morning. I hope you continue to do it, even though the Bible fell. Um, that was not your fault. Um, we're trying to be a, a, a little green, which means economizing with the use of paper and not creating so much paper that we throw away uh, every Sunday. So we... As you know, we're not handing out bulletins except for the worship leaders. We have what's appearing on the screens. And I will say, uh, it was one of our ideas. I'm gonna take credit for it if it's any good. Um, of not printing up scripture every Sunday and then tossing it out, but rather using a Bible. Because we have Bibles here in the church. But interestingly, the New Revised Standard Version Bible, which is what we United Methodists and much of the Protestant denominations in America are using, is not this big old beautiful Bible that's sitting here. So we needed to have a new Bible which was able to be read with the eyes of a layperson standing at a pulpit which needs to be a little bit bigger than what you see in front of you in the pews in those little Bibles. So we found a large print Bible, and we have it here now. But I didn't have the heart to put the old Bible away <clears throat> and just have the new Bible just sit there. I, I'm a little slow with change sometimes. Some of us are. Are we not? A little slow with change? 
even when it's self-evident that change would be the right thing to do and the thing that would help make life so much easier and better and more agreeable for us, we still kind of are slow to it. Some of you are, are like me with that, I sense. Maybe next week I'll have the courage for the larger Bible to go away and the new Bible can just sit there safely. We'll see. But until that time, we will pray that it just sits tight and doesn't slide. Will you join with me? May the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. Amen. Now, when I announced to my family that I was going into ministry, my dad's jaw did not drop. I think he was a little surprised that I did not want to be the engineer that he was. He, I think, was kind of hoping that I would be, but being a clergy kind of fit into his, his sense of what a child of his might do. We, we were in church, all of us as a family, every Sunday uh, regardless of the snow or the ice or the rain in New York or Chicago. We were a Methodist family from the beginning. So I, I don't think it, it surprised him too much that one of his children wanted to become a Methodist. But I do know for sure that it came as a shock the day Lorenza Andre Smith told her husband that she felt a call to ministry with the homeless by living with the homeless. The first time she told her bishop of the desire, he said, absolutely not. A year or so later, though, with repeated pestering of her and perhaps the Holy Spirit, she prevailed on her bishop and she was put on a special appointment on behalf of the United Methodist Church to the homeless. Now she lived and moved along with the homeless of America. Up from Texas through Arizona, California with the seasons to the north and then back and down. She moved with them as they transitioned around the country in the way that they transitioned around the country, extending to them the word of the Lord, that they were, that they were held in God's heart, that God loved them regardless of their circumstances or perhaps because of their circumstances in a special way. Now, she was the keynote speaker at a clergy convocation entitled Risky Business a few years ago. Now, that memory has, has stayed with me over all of these years. It was a, a powerful witness, that convocation. 
Risky business, Grant called it. It was in Palm Springs in September, so I thought that was risky business enough, hanging out with a bunch of clergy in the desert when the temperature was over 100. To me, that was risky business. But Grant had something else in mind, not the the self-indulgent purgatory of living in a fancy hotel in the desert in air-controlled conditions. He had the implications of Lorenzo's ministry in mind and others that he lifted up and had shared with us during this convocation. The bishop's idea was to get across the point that God calls us all to ministry. And indeed, that ministry might at times be risky. Because we're living out God's word, God's mission in a society in which we are not all perfect and all is not the way God would intend it to be. And perhaps we all don't share clarity as to how things might work out to God's glory and to our well-being. So risky business, he wanted to get into our heads, that maybe our ministry was a risky kind of endeavor. If it's not risky, is it worth much? Well, that's the question that kept plaguing me. And as I remember sitting with other clergy at, at lunch and dinner tables, it was pestering them as well because we all were in situations that perhaps were not as risky as could be or certainly not as risky as Lorenza's or other prophetic witnesses that we had heard about and in many ways admired. It crept into our prayers and it kept popping up in conversation. If the work of our ministry doesn't seem risky, how worthwhile is it then? We started to say to ourselves. If our ministry does not push forward into the community, what at times seems to be the radical word of God of how we should love and be just with one another and build a a world that will become the peaceable kingdom. If we're not putting our shoulder to that stone, what stone are we putting our shoulder to? How valuable is the work that we are doing. These questions were unavoidable 
to us clergy as we sat there and talked. And as much as they disturbed us, they, they also got us to be thinking of the value of ministry across the spectrum of the way ministry is manifest. Measuring up to others is not the agenda of the calling to ministry. Being faithful in our own calling with the gifts and graces that God has given us, doing that work is the work that each one of us is called to, clergy or lay alike. Hearing God's call and responding in significant or meaningful ways, that's the agenda for all of us. That's the, the work, the mission of the church, of us as disciples of Christ, hearing the call and responding in significant and meaningful ways. Whether that's risky or not, or however risky that might be. We want to be of consequence for God, to have our efforts, our ministry on behalf of Jesus mean something and, and be of of value in our lives, in our community, and in our world. So perhaps it's, it's, it's right to expect a little risk involved in that if we're impacting lives and, and changing things for the better. Because real life, as we know, can get real messy and can get real confusing and can be risky. And so as the great spiritual says, keep your eye on the prize. Our two scriptures this morning point us in the direction that our service is key to our faith. I have preached on both of these at different times and I'll spend some more time on other occasions getting into each of these scriptures, but I'm just using them as a foundation this morning for our thinking about <clears throat> building the body, our congregational resilience, and how that is focused on our service. You know, Jesus said to his followers that they would have a faith that could move mountains. Do you remember that in the scripture? Any mountain movers recently? James is saying, you know what? He, he doesn't say this. He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, don't worry about the mountains. He, he doesn't say that. But I hear him say, you know, don't worry about the mountains. How about just caring for the orphans? And the widows. How about just caring for those who are hungry 
and clothing the naked. Caring for the least of these. Let Jesus take care of the mountains. You take care of your brothers and sisters. Doing these and other acts of service to people in need are ways by which we find to substantiate and strengthen our faith. These are ways by which our faith becomes alive and thrives. James declares it straight out. Without the expression of our faith in service, our faith is dead. Strong words, strong words. Is he exaggerating? Service is crucial to our faith and our life. I hope you have someone to love in this world. We all want that, don't we? Uh, and we find that that's, it's good for us to be loved, and it seems to be good for us to love. If you love somebody, do you feel a natural urge to express that in some fashion? I would venture to say that if you don't in some way, in word and in action, vocalize and uh, empower, put into flesh, incarnate this concept of love of the other person, that there would be a very good question to ask yourself as to whether you actually love that person. Yeah, yeah, I love my spouse, but I don't spend any time with her. I never talk to her. I never give her any words of affection. I don't show her any affection. You know, do you love your spouse if that's what you do? We're led in our love to express our love, are we not? And sometimes we do it well, sometimes we do it poorly. Sorry, Debbie, for the times I do it poorly. But we give it, we enflesh it, don't we? And we are right to challenge our brothers and sisters about having love if they don't express love. And in like fashion, is this a solid analogy, David, to think about? When we think about our faith, our faith needs expression to come alive, to be real, to be substantiated, put into substance, to be real. The tricky thing is in our lives of ministry, we might not notice the opportunities of mission, the opportunities of living out our faith the way we should because of the distractions of society. We might actually be tricked into thinking we are doing something of value for God and for others when actually in truth, eh, not much. 
Really, not much. Not really making much of a difference at all. I like Michael Slaughter. He's a, he's a passionate Christian minister. He's, he's written a whole bunch of books that if you read any of them, you'll be benefited from. Um, I, I particularly like Momentum for Life because it, it's a way in which he talks about how we can live into our faith and get things going and, and how that's a, an exciting kind of a thing. But he also lifts up part of the trickiness of being a follower of Jesus in our days, in our times, with what's going on in our world. Many people in our churches today profess faith in God, but they embody the values of the dominant culture. Hmm. They possess a soft, secular worldview rather than the worldview of Jesus. These folk believe in God and profess Jesus, but they trust the materialistic values of secular culture, and they follow that. Well, in his book, he's talking about others, right? Let's just think about ourselves. Is, is, is this anything that describes us or, or not? Are we looking to have Jesus transform us? Are we looking to be in our discipleship a person that's under the influence of the Holy Spirit and follow in the way of Jesus? Are we doing that, seeking to have Jesus transform us? Or are we seeking to transform Jesus so that he can sit a little bit more comfortably by our side doing what we typically do. That's what Michael is saying here, that all too often we're tempted to try to talk Jesus into relaxing and sitting down and taking a break and blessing us for what we do rather than asking Jesus to have his way with us. so that we might be more in the way of Jesus towards our family, our brothers and sisters, our world. As we come back together as a, a body of Christ more and more during this time, we want to find ways that feel healthy, that feel right to us, that we can actively live out our faith with one another and perhaps even in person with one another. So I'm going to ask Finia to, to bring up on the screen because, you know, one of the, one of the clearest ways to be in service as a person of the church is through the life of the church. And there's, there's a variety of different avenues uh, in the life of the church that, that you can get involved. And you know, as, as we've talked about in these recent weeks, the model of church for us United Methodists is that there are different areas 
of ministry in which we entrust people to do their best at on our behalf and to give us leadership on for our own activities. Can you bring that up or unable to, Vinia? That's pretty small. Can you see it well enough? Many of you know this. I'm going to have Vinia send this out in the Sunday afternoon e-blast from the church so you can see it. And, and each of those uh, committees in the life of the church will have a little italics thing underneath it to help uh, make sense as to what it is. Some of them are pretty clear. What do you guess communications is about? Communicating? All right, you're on to it. You're, you're on to it. And, and so communications is going to deal with publicity, going to deal with how we get the word to one another about things going on. Okay, here's going to be a, a, a tricky one. Trustees? Care of the campus and of the facilities of the church. You're entrusted to do that. We have nine people on trustees. We give them the responsibility of keeping an eye on these and doing all that they can do so our campus and our facility supports our ministry. We as a governing body, as a church council, or we as a congregation, entrust them to carry that load for us. We all don't have to decide what kind of screws to use to repair that door or what kind of plumbing fixture inside the toilet in the children's bathroom needs to be the one to be used. We're all not called to figure that out. We just turn to our trustees. But there will be occasion when the trustees might say, hey, let's all get together and work together to get something done, like missions. Missions will do that for us. Social concerns will do that for us. They will say, we've looked at all these different opportunities in which we can make a difference, and we like manna. We've made the decision on your behalf that we're going to support manna. But instead of just canned goods from our five homes, we're going to ask you all to bring canned goods and Fritos and spaghetti and whatever other stuff we bring for manna. We're going to ask you all to do that. And we're going to ask you to do that, not every Sunday, but would you do that on one Sunday a month? And so missions ask us to all participate, but they give leadership to us as to what we're doing in our mission life. Same with social All of these are that kind of way. So one of these committees might strike a fancy to you where you can kind of roll up your sleeve or open up your head and open up your heart and get engaged through the church for service. I hope you do. But the next slide is going to remind us that there's other ways than just serving through the structure of committees. You know, now um, in the office, Vinia, as you can see, she's struggling right now to get up the next slide. Vinia, hello back there. There you go. Assist in the office for administrative tasks. Vinia is trying to do the most crucial parts of two jobs. That means the less crucial parts of two jobs, yet parts of jobs that we thought were good to be done, 
are not getting done. Who can help her out? Monday through Friday in the office, different times. If you can help, do you have any talents in that area? Office work or media work? Vinia can use your help. Paul back there in the media team right there can use your help. Don't hide out. Step forward. You will make a big difference by volunteering. Assist on campus with set up and tear down. Some of you guys did that on Wednesday night. You were there. I'm pointing at Boyd because Boyd was one of them. But there were others who had gathered to help Christy <laughs> and Vinia again set the stage for Caneo Connect Wednesday night. Thank you. Thank all of you who might have strong enough backs to lift the table and move chairs and to help your church do that. I know that Barb does a great job with hospitality, but we need more people to help her get that effort to be as full and as rich and as impactful as can be. And hospitality is, is those uh, is the food and the coffee and all of that, but hospitality also is making sure that when somebody comes to the door, we go, way, nice to see you. Let's be hospitable to one another. Hospitality can manifest itself in many ways. Now, if you go on that last one, if you go to our website, Tim Bonds has helped us by enumerating not only things in the church, but things outside the church that missions feels are really good things that we have supported or that we can support, not just as a church organization, but you individually, like maybe Meals for Wheels or Habitat for Humanity or other things like that. It's there on the website. So if you're interested in finding ways beyond the doors of the church to make a difference because you are a follower of Jesus, there's some good ideas there to go along with whatever ideas you have. Jesus hopes that we will find ways to give expression to our faith so that our faith is real in our lives and actually has a meaning and a significance in our lives. And as a church family, we're here to help one another live into that affirmation. I hope that we can count on you, find ways in which to come alive through your church and in the community so that people know the people of United Methodist Church, Westlake Village, mean what they say when they say, we let love lead in our lives because we're followers of Jesus. Amen. going to have a mission moment this morning, and uh, Russ is going to do it for us on the blood drive that's coming up, but we begin with a short video, so let's uh, have a look at that. Giving blood is a pretty easy way, blood is a pretty easy way for one stranger to help another stranger who really needs that help. I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia which is a particularly hard to beat and aggressive cancer of the bone marrow. 
the blood-making factory. Now, from the day I was given my diagnosis to the day I was in the hospital, receiving, actively receiving intravenous chemotherapy was a day and a half. It was that fast. And my first unit of blood was two days after that. I was one of those people who desperately, desperately needed it. I was getting blood products about every other day while I was in the hospital, and that was for 40 days. And all in all, I was getting blood products on one level or another for over a year. I, I was given the official word that I was cured of leukemia with a chance for relapse at next to zero. There's just no question that this group of people, particularly the donors, did nothing less than save my life. And uh, at least this somebody is very thankful, very, very appreciative, because um, there's just no question that without these blood donations, uh, my chances would have been zero. The Missions Committee, in conjunction with Vitalant, formerly known as uh, United Blood Services, has planned our annual blood drive for Saturday, October 22nd, from 8.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. here in Alton Hall. Not here, but in Alton Hall. When you donate, you have the potential to help hospital patients within our community and when the need arises, others across the country. When extreme weather or unforeseen tragedies occur, Vitalant's experienced nationwide team members jump into action to quickly deliver blood to where it's needed most. Obviously, from the news, we're talking about the this time around the, the hurricanes in the uh, south but and in Puerto Rico. The benefits of this larger footprint are vast, including leveraging our coast-to-coast -coast network for donation centers, so every donation has the potential to impact more lives. Many people believe that most blood is needed after major disasters. However, daily personal emergencies and ongoing medical needs of thousands of patients require a constant and ready blood supply. It's the blood already on hospital shelves that saves lives. Every day in the United States, patients in hospitals, surgical centers, emergency treatment facilities need approximately 29,000 units of red blood cells, 50,000, excuse me, added an extra zero, 5,000 units of platelets, 6,500 units of plasma. Every two seconds, someone in the United States needs blood. This constant need for blood can only be met by generous donors like you. When you give blood, you can save the life of a cancer patient, an accident victim, or someone needing open heart surgery. Remember, your role in the world matters. Please consider giving blood. The information on this screen, oh, okay. Didn't see that coming up. And in our Friday announcements, 
You can also check with us at our table on the patio after service. Because of you, life doesn't stop. Thank you for, to Linda Keithley for continuing to bring blood drive to our church. And thank you for your consideration. And please remember, missions is not asking for your blood, money. We are asking for your blood. <laughs> You are invited to share of your financial resources via the instruction that will appear momentarily on the screen to help support the ministries of Christ that happen through our congregation. If you are worshiping in person, you are invited to take advantage of the ushers who will be passing offering plates down the pews. Your generosity is needed to keep us going, to keep us doing the good we do. So give generously and be part of what happens in people's lives through the congregation of the UMCWV.
Holy God, we ask that you bless these gifts and those who give them out, that our ministries in your Son's spirit might thrive, helping your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. this service has been a blessing to you. Uh, resilience, individual, family, congregational, let us embrace that and, and let our faith come alive in our service. Let's work with the Spirit and with one another, making this a blessed day and a blessed week. Stay safe, be healthy, know that you are loved Be blessed by that spirit and be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen.